0: Thanks for listening to the Toronto Legends podcast. I am your host, Andrew Applebaum. My guest today is Kareem Blake, better known as rap superstar Claire One of the most successful Canadian rappers of the late 1990s and into the 2000s, Claire has won 4 Juno Awards in his journey from rap battles in Scarborough to stages around the world. So let's ride. 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 you
1: my vibe then we can all just ride. ride. If you want to get down then we can all, just just ride. Ride. all People throw your hands and just ride. Where
0: Welcome, Shot Claire to welcome to Toronto Legends thank you for joining me
2: where are you and how are you Ah, uh, where am i i am like near the london area in a city called st thomas and uh it's wonderful here and uh We've been doing a lot of uh, new things here. Um, uh, if we want to get into the history of all this the whole city at some point, then we can. But regardless of all of that, it's great, and it's great being here. And uh, how I'm doing, I'm doing quite well. I'm happy playing way too much video games. <laughs> well, listen,
0: all we can ask is that we're happy, so that's great. Now, is the Scarborough boy now a St. Thomas boy, or may I ask? Is, is that where you're based out of now?
2: You can never take the Scarborough out of me. I'm always Scarborough. Everything that I see, like even I was just, uh, I met a couple of people the other day uh, as I'm like negotiating my situation out here in St. Thomas and I approach everybody like I'm in Scarborough and then they're in St. Thomas and then they're like, well, well yo, yeah, you're too aggressive, bro. I'm like, oh, I'm not aggressive. I'm just Scarboroughing it right now. Like, what's up? But everybody has been nice, and yeah, it's just it's it's just great to be in a place where I can go and um, lay my head down and wake up at 11 and not think that I missed some. I probably did, but I'm I'm okay with it. <laughs> I'll tell you, if
0: one thing we've learned from this whole pandemic, we, we everyone's kind of changed their speed and uh, everything like that. So it's great to hear you relax and having fun. I want to go all the way back if we may, get the Kareem Blake slash Shaw Claire story. Why don't you talk about being born in Scarborough and your upbringing?
2: When I was um, going up, I used to listen to Tarzan Dan on 680 CFRB, I think it was. CFTR? E-F-T-R. Yeah, and Tarzan Dan. Like, that's like if I was even able to listen to, like, uh, Will Smith rap song that was the only rap song you were hearing because they weren't playing no rap song with the exception of every saturday 88.1 with ron nelson and mastermind and djx and 88.1 one to four that on saturday that was the only time you're ever going to hear any hip-hop and then you had to go and catch all the um when they would play rap uh, uh what's his name what was his name mike douglas the guy that did um soul in the city uh, much music before master t took over mike williams mike williams yes and big up to mike williams but yeah but like uh yeah like uh that was uh me so i just went and i started just like i'm listening to quite right like all the big hair bands in the 90s uh, 80s sorry and all these other stuff and then i went and i was rapping because my brother um he was known in the community and they used to call me junior And they would say, hey, Junior, you're going to rap like your brother. I had no intention of rapping like my brother. His name was Livy B. I was like, I don't know. I think I was Special K at that point. (laughs) And um, and then I went and I rapped at, uh, I remember it was 3181, which is right on the corner of Markham and Eglinton, right on that corner. And I went over there and I rapped. And because uh, somebody asked me, like, you're going to rap like your brother? You're going to rap like your brother? And then I went and I did the rap. And somebody said, his name is Sean. He's part of this group called Usual Suspects right now. And he said to me, you're good. You should stick at it. So I stuck at it. And then I just kept rapping and rapping because somebody told me I was good.
0: Well, as you say, you were first known as Junior because of your brother's success. But when and how did you become known as Shaclaire Light as Air?
2: I was at Pope John Paul II, and people just came to school and said, yo, we hear that you got a rapper here. So, like, literally, people went over to all the class doors, finding out what period and what class. I think I was in, like, social science or something like that. And they knock on the door, and then the door opens, and there's the whole school sitting there. Yo, there's people here to battle you, battle you. And I'm like, well, I don't know what to do, but... Then, (laughs) it's so funny. The whole class went and was, like, pushing me out the door, like, yo, you got to go battle these Pickering people. Because, whatever, Pickering people are not Scarborough people. Like, we just mad at them for no reason at all. And then we went there. We had that battle. So then I became known as the rapper. that battled the guy from uh, Dumbarton. And then I was never the cool kid. I was kind of, like, on the side of, like, I was cool enough to go and have people go and say fluff about me. So I'm out with the cool kids at Scarborough Town Center, uh, Tony Tuesday, when it was like you go to a movie for $2. And they're all meeting up with, like, some girls from West Hill or whatever, all the other schools, Notre Dame, you name it, whatever. All the Scarborough schools were, like, uh, guys like me would never be able to go and line up with any... Type of these girls the next day afterwards they asked me and they were like god uh, they were on the phone um the cool kids were on the phone and i like again i was just in that middle of box like i wasn't cool enough to be with them but i was just a little bit overly cool to not get dissed like they dissed everybody else but i was cool with everybody that they dissed. those are my friends they were my friends they were my friends they were my real friends and they probably your accountant. There's someone else accountant right now because they did really good at school. Uh, so they, they, yeah, like, now you need them. And one person told me that they go like, ah, he was on the phone talking to this girl and she was trying to remember who he was. And I told them I wasn't the, the light-skinned guy. I wasn't the chubby guy. I was the dark-skinned guy. Which guy? I was the dark-skinned guy. Dark-skinned who? The chocolate guy. Like chocolate. And then one of the cool kids went and said... Yeah, he's like, yeah, he's chocolate, chocolate, chocolate. And I told her, I said to the phone, on the, uh, to the to the person on the phone, I said to them, yeah, I'm chocolate, it's light as air. So then, all the kids now, now the cool kids, who we had this area in our school at Pope John Paul. Anybody that's watching from Pope John Paul, you don't know what I'm talking about. We went to the pit, and then we went over into the pit where everybody sat there, whether they were skipping class or something like that. That's where everybody. Play, play dominoes, play games, play whatever. Everybody was there. So then they go and they say, oh, look at this guy. And I believe, like I say, and it's like, I believe I was known as like Special K back then. And it's like, yeah, Special went up on the thing and tried to go in contact my girl and told them that he was shot clear as light as air. Well, that is quite a story, because as you say, you're
0: minding your own business at school. People are coming in. They're not popers. They're not from St. John Paul II. I
2: I haven't heard that in a while, They weren't popers. They weren't
0: popers. (laughs) And you would literally leave in the middle of class to rep your school in a rap battle. But Choclair, your first big break wasn't really as an artist, because you were actually planning to be a record executive, and you had started your own independent label, Knee Deep Records. How did you end up releasing your debut single 21 years in 1995?
2: Wow, yeah, that's a great question. Really, what ended up happening is that I got frustrated with trying to go and send my demo tapes to like the record companies because I would go into the record company, I go into EMI, Universal, Sony, BMG, Jive. Like there was a bunch of record labels back. Now, now there's only like three, but back then, and I would see other people's demo tapes in the garbage bin, like sitting, right, literally, like they're having a meeting with me and other people's demo tapes are in the garbage. <laughs> and they weren't even cracked, they weren't even out of the wrapper. The, the, the like, you know, like all this stuff that these guys went and tried to do, whether it was good or not, but they, it just was like, thank you, and thrown in there. And I Not see, even so, getting a chance not even a chance not even my manager back then was uh day and i told him i said i was tired of going to go and mess with these record companies because they don't even care they don't they don't even listen and i i'm growing up in the era of like remember when djs wanted to be the first ones to play that song like when who shot ya? from biggie smalls came out who did not want to have that record i remember listening to that record and then I heard, bing, bing, bidi-ding, ding, and I was like, what the hell is this? Like, One More Chance, the remix just came out uh, with Biggie Smalls. And I was like, what is this record? What? And then I heard Biggie's voice on it. I remember walking up to the DJ booth, like, you know, house party, DJ booth, like right? You know, everybody keeps bumping into it uh, and everything. And I went and I looked, and I saw the bad boy on the, on the on the record. And it was like, who shot you? And it was on the flip side of one more chance. And I was like, this song's amazing. It became one of my favorite songs. I was like, who shot you? Separate the week from the... I know the song from top to bottom. And that was um, that. Was that? I'm sort of losing a little bit on what you asked me about. I'll, I'll tie back in it because it's bringing me back to everything. <laughs>
0: Well, I, I know, Jacques-Claire, that, w- that what you're going to tie back to is that when you first released uh, as a record executive, so to speak, you had oh. released a single. But at that time, and you're going to have to explain to the listeners, because we're of the same vintage, but the younger listeners won't know, Vinyl had an A-side and a B-side.
2: Yes. Yes, you're, you're correct. So, okay. So, at that point, okay, so now I'm back on track. So, at that point, <laughs> I was just like, okay, you know, the music industry in Canada sucks. So then now I became an executive. And then uh, uh, D-A-Y-Day went and um, he produced this track called Father Time for Socrates. Now me and him are record label people. And then at that point, we always needed a B-side. There's always needed a B-side. Like, what's on the B-side of the record? Well, we don't know. Well, hey, I rap. So let me do a B-side record. So Father Time goes and blows up, gets Socrates signed to Warner Brothers. He's doing... All these things for, um, I remember uh, the Arnold Batman, Arnold Mr. Freeze. He had a song called Freeze. Everybody's watching. Everybody's watching him. And then I'm like, one day I'm listening to 88.1 on a Saturday. Like, that's the only place where you get your hip hop uh, in Toronto at that point. And somebody called in and said, hey, I really think you guys really need to check that song on the B-side. Shock Claire you really need to go and check that song out. And I remember because I was listening to the radio back when they would go and take live interviews, like radio live. Like they would just answer your call live, like uh, hoping that you wouldn't curse or say something crazy or something like that. And then I remember DJX being like, yeah, we really did. We, we've been paying a lot of attention to the first time, which was my record label. And I'm happy because it's he, he to sign. This song is pumping. Father Time, everybody out there, you go and listen to Father Time. Father Time is a hell of a song. And then he's like, but we really need to go and just listen to this other song. And then he started playing 21 years. And then everybody was like, 21 years. 21 years. And then it just kept pumping, pumping. And then after we did that, me and Dave were like, well, we're a record company. Um, do we have any more music? Well, we have no artists signed us. <laughs> like, what are we doing? It's like, well, maybe I'll just do another song. And that's when I met Julie Black. The first time I met her in person, we did What It Takes Together. I met her before, like I'd seen her before, because Cardi used to do these things by like Christy Pitts in Toronto. And he would have like these well, parties and whatever. Little X, DJ X, Mr. X, however X's name is right now. Uh, he used to stand there and draw these pictures. And I would just be there. And then I met Julie and then me and Day and Julie, because Day knew Julie because he knew Cardi and Sox and everybody from uh, from before. So me and Julie meet for the first time and then we do what it takes. And then what it takes goes on and wins Junos and works and all this stuff. And then we're like, well, what do we do after this? So me and Day, we looking at each other, it's like, I guess you're the rapper and I'm the manager. And I was like, okay. And as he's hanging that, as he's hanging the gold record on the top of his wall, he's telling me that. And then we just became who we became. That's how we all started. It's hard to believe, right? But
0: it's almost that a default. We need an artist. You became that artist. As you say, Jacques Claire. What It Takes with Julie Black gets a Juno Award at 1997, Best Rap Recording. By 98, you had released 11 records, including the first international releases for Socrates, Cardinala Fischel, and Julie Black, all came up together in Toronto's music scene. Let's fast forward to your contributions to the 1998 Rascal song, Northern Touch.
1: Yo, we us, huh? Ain't nobody can bang with, with us. us. Down coming down with the touch. Touch, yo. Why you people want a
0: This was the hip-hop anthem for many, two Juno Awards and a Much Music Video Award. It's something that we're going to talk about, the reunion you recently had, but what do you remember about the collaborative recording process uh, that went into Northern Touch?
2: So at that point, I had a summer job and my summer job was being a daycare teacher. My mom got me the job, so it was a summer job. So then, because back in the 90s at that point, There wasn't a lot of male influence, let's just say that. Male influence on like these, a lot of single parent mothers, a lot of single mothers. So I'm working at this daycare center and I'm, that my mom got me a summer job. So I'm just working in summer. And it started in like 94, somewhere around that era. So I was just doing a summer job. But then all the kids started gravitating towards me for whatever reason, like, you know, like I have my own kids I know my kids love me, so it's probably <laughs> something that I did that made them love me. Um, you are affable. Yeah, and we were like, cool, like me and the kids. I remember I remember all I, I still remember most of the kids, but I was working with these kids and and I would be at there, like after school because it was attached to Mother Teresa. It was called Mother of Compassion Child Care Center, and it was attached to Mother Teresa school that was in Malvern. So everybody in Malvern, went to school there, and then if they had kids, I'm watching your kids, and I remember because they would be like, they're like, aren't you that guy in that video, and I'm like, (laughs) like like literally pulling like some type of whatever they put in their (laughs) mouth, I'm trying to pull it out of their mouth, like, hold on, I'm just trying to stop this kid from suffocating, Uh, and and I'm doing whatever they're doing, and I remember because I got a call from work, so like I had a cell phone, but like Imagine back, like, when, like, somebody actually calls your work. So, my boss, the the, the the supervisor, commissioner, whatever you want to call, it's like, hey, you got a phone call on line one. I'm like, well, who's calling me? Because I'm working and my mom's here. So, the only people that would be calling me would be my mom. And then, but she's here. And I'm like, oh, so I answered the phone. And it saw a guy, which was the manager of uh, the Rascals at that point, And Big C. Uh, Craig Maddox, which now is like uh, the, some superstar at Universal right now, and they're like, "Hey, we got this song with the Rascals. You don't know who this other guy is. His name is Checkmate, and um, we got this, and we want to go and uh, send you the thing." And this is when they used to send like the two-inch tapes, like the big tapes. Like it's not like email. Like send me the file. It's like no, it's big, big tapes. And so me and Cardi. Because what used to always happen back in the day with me, Cardi, Socrates, Julie Black, Tara, Chase, Solitaire, Roe Dollar, all of us, Marvel, everybody. We always went to everybody's session. Like it was just that, it was just that. Oh, you got studio? I'm coming. We were always with each other. So then now it's like, okay, we'll come to Bathurst and Spadina. And I remember Mastermind was there. So me and, uh, me and Cardi, we go into the studio. So it's me and Thrust sitting in the studio, right? And everybody wants to go last. This is the moment everybody wants to go last. So me and Thrust, we do paper, rock, scissors. Paper, rock, scissors, rock. I lost. That's why I went second. And Thrust went last, literally.
0: Word
1: up. Yes, yes, from the Northwest. To Van City. City. Oh, desire. I like chilling. Monday night, raw watching. Yeah. Me and Danny O at the Sky Dome. When it's in town, my peoples know I just be regular. regular so haters start dissing. But steady. Reciting my lyrics up with my oh. in their mouth. They swallowin'. Talking about they need some oxygen. Uh. People need to know chocolate. they're moving no slow-mo. Into women like a guy no. Shh, Dollars in fists yeah. now. How you gonna feel when you see the six triple low? We'll start the pill. swap dog appeal. Y'all know the deal. If you don't ask my man why, why dog? dog he'll tell you the circle well, right the spot represents like my Northwest connects right. rascals They make the cash flows indeed know yeah. went down the coast like a big sea popped the with the mouth colorful like the we currency It's,
0: <laughs> it's uh, somewhat shocking to know for a uh, professional recording that uh, you went with rock paper scissors but the uh, results can't be uh, <laughs> can't be beaten because that
2: song came together amazing. That was exactly how that song came. And then I remember, because Cardi now, now he's like sick, like uh, the flu or whatever. Like if, if, if he was to sneeze the way somebody would to be sneezing right now, they'd be like, COVID, COVID, yep. COVID. He's sneezing all over the paper place. He got like two tissues up in his nose. And then I'm like sitting there. So I started writing this hook and I was like, we need no tour. And I was like, yeah, oh, I need something, I need something, something. And Cardi has that energy. So I go to Cardi, I was like, "Yo, go here's here's a, the beginning jump, and then go and take it from there." And now he's there with two tissues in his nose, in the there, sneezing the whole studio. Nobody wanted to go in the booth after him because they're like, "Yo, it's all Cardi germs all over the place." And he went and came. Me don't worry us, ain't nobody. And people ask me, "Why did you put your name last?" I put my name last. Cardi put my name last. <laughs> And, um, and then we did that, and then Northern Touch just came. It just came, and it was me, Cardi, sitting in the studio with Thrust. I lost to Thrust, so that's why I'm second, and he's last, and we just sat there and put the whole song together, and then sent it back off to him, and then the, the craziest part was like, as soon as that song came out, and Little X said he wanted to do the video for the song, and... He told me, yeah, you know what, Shax, you're the sexual not. Going on back to my story, you're the sexual not. You're going to be the only person in this video with a girl in the video. That was me with Melissa Ford, who became to come to do great things on her own. And that was that. And it just ended right there. Yeah. And then DMX came out, and all of us were like, ah. Because at that point, you know, like Canadian hip hop was always seemed to be like, B-class? The little like, brother. Yeah, like, you're good, but you're not as good as this. But then people um, people went and said, no, this track is fire. And then we were running back and forth with DMX, Get At Me Dog, and Northern Touch. And then we went and we did it, and then that was my first Canadian wide tour, was doing the Northern Touch tour with uh, the Rascals, and it was amazing, and I met, so many wonderful people that I never would have met if I didn't even do it. And I was just I was just a daycare teacher. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was just changing diapers when somebody shits their pants. And I worked with six months to six years old. So I was I was a daycare teacher that it's, loved rap.
0: <laughs> it's amazing. From diapers to, as I said, Northern Touch hip hop anthem jacques in 1999, you released Ice Cold, produced by Socrates. This album was certified gold in Canada, contained your biggest hit single, Let's Ride, produced by Cardinal Oficial. This song was actually ready to go two years earlier in 1997. Why did you hold it back until 1999?
2: Oh, good question. Um, okay, so big shout out goes out to, um, hopefully, if you see this, Russ Hergert goes out to Russ Hergert. So Russ Hergert... I remember I was at this one club, like some basement club, and there was Big C. I think there was Mike Z, uh, for anybody that knows these people, and somebody else. I'm forgetting the last person. Uh, it doesn't mean that I don't like you. I'm just forgetting your name. So I uh, apologize in advance. Wes Herbert was always like, yo, I got something for you. I got something for you. And then him and Day, because I was just a rapper, him and Day would talk whatever, whatever, whatever they would talk. Russ Hergert goes and tells me, he said, I don't care whatever you go and put out. Leave that song alone until I can go and do it properly for you. So then that's why Flagrant came out with me and Socks. The one track with uh, Rest in Peace with me and uh, Guru, Bear Witness, Gangstar with Tony Touch on the Scratches and everything. Because he was like, I have plans. So he went and he did all his plans and whatever and got me the deal with Virgin. And then he went and kind of like a good flash note, Little X's very, very, very first video that he was involved in was the second half of What It Takes. When he came back from working with Hype Williams, nobody would give him a chance because he's Canadian, right? It's got to be B-class, right? Like it's going to be B-class. So he was trying to do a bunch of videos and all this other stuff but nobody would give him a chance. Then that's the second half of what it takes. We gave him that chance. So then now we're doing this video. And then we did Northern Touch already. But now I'm reaching back out. And I'm like, and what's her as as well? It's like, let's do whatever. The video cost about 200000 But around that time, like Buster Rhymes and Janet Jackson, everybody's doing videos that are like, a million dollars or or more. He made our video look like it was a million dollars and it wasn't. And everybody at Virgin looking at me like he's bleeding the bank. He's bleeding the <laughs> bank. It did what it did and it did. And now, right now, like even right now, there's a company called Onlia, which is an insurance company. And now they're using the same song to go and promote their Packages. I don't have. Um, I, I, should I say it because I don't know if I'm gonna lose my endorsement? <laughs> but they. Um, but like they're using the same. They're using the same song, wow. and it was all Russ Herger and Russ Herger because he saw it and we did it and um, and I have nothing but love and admiration because he was like and that was three years in it and that was 1997 because I did that song right after I did What It Takes, and he said don't release this song
0: it's a great lesson about relationships it's a great lesson about having trust you had to have trust that everything would work out and as you say it all comes back you got little x doing your let's ride video and like you say uh, almost kind of getting it at a discount so to speak and you got this amazing product
2: because you had this great relationship oh, and it was a, a minute, it definitely was not a discount <laughs> <laughs> it costs a lot of money i hear about it all the time <laughs> so there was no discount in there but he was able to do it because we (laughs) gave him his we gave him a shot and he did what it takes which went ended up getting him his first juno award he got an award off that and then now we're stepping up and now it's like okay now let's go and do this video for let's write he brought in my ex-girlfriends girlfriends girlfriends i'm sitting girls that i was at high school with everything like you know like when like X would just bring the Toronto girls. Like when all the Toronto girls were in like um Ludicrous Video and Dr. Dre you know, all the videos that X would be doing, there were a lot of Toronto girls and they were there and um and he hollered he back at me and it was uh, it was good and yeah and um I'm not familiar with any of them as of today. It's just um, all I can say is that they look great in the video and they did a good job. <laughs>
0: It's a it's a classic video. If you're enjoying this Toronto Legends interview with Kareem Blake slash Choclair, please check out the more than 100 additional episodes available anytime. We got great performers, including Glass Tigers' Alan Frew, Chalk Circles' Chris Tate, The Boxes' Jean-Marc Pissapia, and crooner extraordinaire Matt Dusk. So many great behind-the-scenes stories directly from the Toronto Legends themselves. All episodes available 24-7-365, wherever you get your podcasts. <whistles> Choclair, the album Ice Cold, won the Juno Award for Best Rap Recording in 2000, the single Let's Ride, won a Socan Award and a Much Music Award. I want to ask if you had any particular memories of being on and being supported by Much Music.
2: Uh, a lot of my Much Music support goes right down to um, and big up to Mr. Tony on the Master T. Like, I remember when Northern Touch was coming out, I remember that he went and and the show was like an hour long and he pushed it to go and make it an hour and a half long to go and make sure that me thrust the rascals checkmate and cardi all had our time to go and be there so he pushed then when uh ice cold came out i remember going into like i was cool with everybody i i didn't have any of those like record company dramas like you know like tell you what to do and this, that nah, everybody was really cool, and the funny part like, the my radio guy I went to school with Spence Diamonds and Thrust. I already knew they are all working at Virgin, and I just happened to get signed to Virgin, so I'm like signed with people that I'm already cool with. So I go to Much Music, and they're like, Okay, yeah, you know, we're gonna do Shaq or whatever. So I'm noticing now, like, okay, so those people I notice already, right? Because I see them on it every day. When I walk into the record company, like those are the people that I see. I go see the salesperson, I go see the re- radio person, I go, you know, I do that. And then they're all like friends of mine. Uh pick up to Jeff Remedius, who now is, I believe, is the president of Universal. We yep. were like in we were in high school together. <laughs> like, yeah. And he was in a band. I forget what his band's called, but I remember that. So then when I got over there, um, I I go to Much Music, and then now the finance guy is there, the legal affairs people is there. I'm like, what's going on here? Why are all these people that when five o'clock hits the clock, they out and they go home, drive home in their Acuras and everything like that, they going home. Why is everybody here? And then at the end of the night, master T because they had like the two big ice sculptures it said ice cold shot there and I was just like oh, okay good great 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 stage situation looks good but that's when they went and they presented and they were like at that point they, when they went and said like yeah you are have the fastest album of ever great gold well and I and I'm like standing at much and all my friends are there and then they take me out to this a uh, great restaurant but I'm eating food that I'm not used to, like pheasant, alligator. <laughs> Too foo foo. Yeah, I just want a curry goat with rice and peas, right? <laughs> well, we're but it was give good. It, <laughs> <laughs> it was we're good, though. Big shout
0: out to Master T. Shaw when we fast forward to 2018, the Northern Touch All Stars, this being Rascals, Checkmate, Cardinal Official, Thrust, and yourself, reunited 20 years later to once again perform Northern Touch at the Juno Awards. How did this reunion come about? And what was the experience for you getting back together with your peers two decades later?
2: It's always great because like, like anytime I go out to the West Coast, like I holler back, like I know like Red One lives out somewhere on the East, uh, in the East End, out, out, out here in Toronto now. And then we bump into each other. But it was always just that. It was like the first time I ever met the Rascals. is like I think I was on the Beat Factory tour with 21 Years with Ramos and Daniel and Monolith, and we were touring in like a, the one of them the, the budget vans, like with uh, the eleven-seaters, and you know, like it was just fit. Uh, and then, and I remember going in. I believe it was a club called Mars, and then I bumped into Red One. He's like, "Man, I'm a big fan." I'm like you're a big fan like don't you know who you are i'm a big fan oh we know you but i only had a 12 inch like that's when just a second was just out and you're like telling me that you're a big fan and yeah it was it's always good it's like it's just it, it literally like when we catch up with each other it's literally it's just a matter of like how you been what are you up to we just catching up like there's no fallout it's no this no that no that it's just like what are you up to what are you up to and, and then we just kind of connect in that, in that way, and um, we just, you know, just it's, it's love every way, all the way, all day, every time.
0: Another source of uh, great memories for you was in 2018, you joined Classified and Maestro Fresh West on the Canadian Classic Tour. Had you enjoyed touring as a classic? I understand the tour suited your, your uh, lifestyle schedule better in
2: terms of the hours. Well, number one, it did suit it because the shows were usually over by 11. <laughs> so, like, you know, like, uh, it was good to be, like, like, you had time to do whatever you wanted to do after the show. Like, usually, you know, like, you like, uh, you, you do a club show and you're done at 30 2 o'clock, and by that point, you just got to go home. You can't even get another drink at the bar or something like that. Like, it's just it's over. Uh, being a part of that as... One of the things, one of the greatest things is that I remember class telling me, um, yeah, I remember. I think it was at the Marquee in Halifax. And he was like, man, I did my, one of my first shows was opening for you at the Marquee uh, in Halifax. And then now me and then my big brother, Maestro, who I look up to. Maestro and Mishimi, they always get annoyed by me because I quote their lines every time. Mishimi, I always quote um the, her song, uh, Mishimi, Me on the mic. I say what well, has to be said. So I'll be like, I see Missy Me. She'll be like, Hey baby, how you doing? I'm like, People here am and here I am. People to something equal. And I start rapping. She's like, Stop it! And I'm like, No. So that's how I greet her, Maestro. I'm like, What? What's it's 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 not uh, conducting things uh conducting dance so i run up and i I say hi to them like it's just my little whatever and being on tour with these guys and then going seeing the, the, the the elevation of years so you got class is a new guy now doing his tour you got me i guess i'm in the middle and then you got the veteran maestro so i'm like on stage with these three and then i go and i see all the artists that are there and everybody like you have people that are there to see maestro there to see class and there to see me but then you have the people that are there to see just great music and then you have people that are there it's like oh my gosh you three are here and then we do it and then we're done by 11.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well we're not getting any younger you and i so i could see how that would appeal to you and as you note you've got these kind of three generations if you want to call it of uh, canadian rap royalty i want to ask you choclaire about you've played air canada center now Bank, You've played Skydome, now Rogers Centre. What do you remember about those huge shows and did you prefer them or did you prefer more of a club feel where you could had a more intimate
2: audience? Ah, that is a very good question. Like, I like to be like, uh, I remember being at um, whatever it's called Molson Park up in Barrie. Yep. Uh, when the Beastie Boys did it, it was 40,000 people in the audience and it goes back and back. Now I'm thinking... I gotta yell for that 39,999 person that's sitting all the way in the back, but not thinking that, yeah, they got speakers on the way down. (laughs) Like you don't have to yell, like, you know, they'll hear you. I remember losing my voice like completely ripping my voice and then they, they had like our, our setup room was like somewhere like somewhere downtown Toronto on Richmond. Uh, it could have been the whatever it was, the Hilton, whatever. That's that's just where our shit was. And then from there we drove up to Barrie, which is like, you know, like almost about an hour uh from Toronto. But all our stuff was over there. And being in front of that many people it's 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 almost it's almost awe, shocking because everybody's eyes and then people ask me this. Right. And, uh, they'll be like, how do you, you know, you get nervous on stage or not, not me. Uh, but they're saying, Oh, I get nervous on stage. And then I go and I tell them, I'm like, turn that nervousness into adrenaline, mm-hmm. Because now, because you know, you know, already all of those eyes, those 40, 50,000 people, and like when you look at it, like it, like, when you look at a Woodstock, right? Like, you just see masses of, of people, right? Like, and you're like, wow, there's a lot of people there. When you're on stage, all those eyes are looking at you. It's a little bit like, okay, then. Yeah. Now I got to please all these people that have all these different type of life and vibes and everything that goes on with them. And then you just go on, and then you turn it into adrenaline. And then you go and you say to yourself, yeah, this is why you're here you're here to watch me now you may not know that you are here to watch me but what you do know is that I'm on stage and I'm about to rock you and that's what I tell to other people turn it from adrenaline into uh turn it from anxiety into adrenaline and then when it's a smaller crowd it's like you get a chance to go like if I'm in a show where there's like you know 700 people there and the people are right up on on the front of the stage and they when when they say something to you, you can hear it, and then you respond back, and you say something back to them. But that's cool because now you're talking with them, and then you know what they do? They come up to you afterwards at the show, and then be like, "Man," uh, and then they talk to you, and then they're like, "I can't yeah. even believe I'm just chilling like this." They think like, you're a I'm like, "Well, who did you expect me to be? I'm a humble dude. I don't care, like you know, like I have a job like you. My job is just that I do it in front of a whole lot of people, and you like it." I like what you do in your job because if you're keeping my water on,
0: <laughs> you're good. Yeah, I
2: love that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, you just don't get the hail-ups as much. But thank you for keeping my water <laughs> on. I just do a job like you, and I'm a regular person like you. Uh, I, and um, I don't put myself over anybody else. I always put myself on a level of everybody else because everybody's important. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like it's just me. It's just, it's just what I do. It's just, I do music. You well, do plumbing. And thank as you for you, <laughs> plumbing, because I don't do plumbing. So if something as, goes bad, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I need to call you.
0: <laughs> Everyone's got a specialty. And as you know, you're able to get in front of a more intimate crowd. You roast the occasion when you're in front of a bigger crowd. And you did play with some of the biggest names in rap. Claire I want to ask you about some of your interactions with some big names. Method Man and Redman. What do you remember about interacting with them? Beverly Hills
2: right before high school came out. I'm in, like, I'm, I'm in Beverly Hills. Like I, I'm like, I, what, what am I doing in Beverly Hills? I never thought I would ever be there. I, earlier in the day, I'm down Melrose. Like, I'm seeing what it all looks like. Coming in the door, I remember, uh, if my angle is going right, coming in the door right there, I noticed, right, and meth came in. And this is right when the Blackout album came out. And that's right when my album came out. So they're walking in, and they're walking holy shit, I met Red before, I never met Meth before, because Socrates was signed to Redman and uh, to Gila House, and um, so I met him before, but, you know, I'm like, I'm in Beverly Hills, and, you know, like, I'm not in Canada, I don't got free healthcare, uh, so I don't know what the hell's gonna go on, so, but they're walking over here, and they're walking up to me, and I'm like, okay, so I'm seeing the path, and I'm like, okay, well, this, they need to pass by me, they need to pass by me, to go wherever they're going to go. And I'm like, okay, so, you know, like I'm a big fan. Redman is one of my all-time greats. Man, I really like as much as well. So I'm like, there's red and meth, and they're walking right by me. So they're coming in, and I'm like, okay, keep it together. Don't fanboy this thing out. Like, you know, like say, yo, respect, respect, and shake their hand, and let them do what they do. Don't <laughs> hold them down. So now I notice that they got a cross right in front of me. I go to shake out my hand. And I man just, place is packed. Everybody everywhere, left, right, and center, talk to, like everybody's punching. I go to shake his hand, and then Red Man goes to me, he's like, motherfucking shot, Claire. Mm. And I said, what? I said, do you know how I know who you are? I said, why? Because we're number one in every stinking country except Canada because of you. <laughs> there
0: you
3: and,
2: go. <laughs> and then he goes in and then he... And then he grabs me and he's like, get the fuck over here. And I meet Method Man and me and him go out in the back. And yeah, and then all of a sudden I'm smoking. I don't even know what I got back. I lost my watch. I got locked out of my hotel room and I'm walking around like, like an idiot. But like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. <laughs> it,
0: it doesn't matter. You had this great interaction with Method Man and Red Man. The, the other person I wanted to ask you about, Jacques Claire, Mix Master Mike with the Beastie Boys.
2: Whoa. Yeah. So we toured Canada, because he was, uh, was me, Rozelle, and Cardi, Solitaire, and Sox on some dates, usually in the Ontario dates, and then Rozelle and Mixed Master Mike in Canada. Then they wanted to do the tour, which was like 47 shows in 52 days. And, and we went all across the U.S. with JS1 as well, uh, and Mixmaster Mike did his thing. And then we ended up going over to Amsterdam, which was the first time that I ever, um, well, we went over to Europe, but that was the first time I ever smoked weed. So face-off is on the TV. Me and JS1 are sitting in this cafe. Razel don't smoke, or if he did, uh, he wasn't smoking that day, if, if he if he does. And uh, we're like sitting there, and face-off is on the TV. So it's um, Nick Cage and uh, the, Travolta. Travolta. And it's on the TV. And now I've never smoked weed ever. And then across the street, and, and you know how these European streets, like, they're very narrow, right? Like, they're, like, this close. Like, here's one side, and here's the other side. So we go there, and now Face Off becomes my favorite movie ever. <laughs> um, they <laughs> they gave me a whole, like, uh, you know, like a the, the menu of what. And I didn't know what to order. So somebody's ordering, and was ordering it for me because I don't know what to what am I ordering? I have no idea what I'm ordering. Then I get out of the place, and then I walk in, and then across the street is the red, black district. There's just girls in the window, and they're telling me forty guilder which is like fifteen dollars. <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, solitaire was there." And then, um, and then that's where the story will end because I can't put anybody on blast. But I remember looking at solitaire. I was like, "Like now, I'm like, I'm smoked." Um, everything with JS1, Razel, I'm in Amsterdam, never been there, trying to go and do one of them, you know, like on the boat with the stick. <laughs> you yeah. know, those things, on, down all this stuff, I come out of the place, and then now there's nigger women in the window. And then story ends there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm su- I'm surprised based on all this, Chuck Laird, Did you-, you did not immediately move to Amsterdam. <laughs> Speaking of smoking, and a guy who's really, uh, continues to be, top of mind. He just had a great Super Bowl commercial. Snoop, D-O-double-G. What were oh, your interactions with Snoop Dogg?
2: Uh, he's amazing, man. And I can honestly say I hope, I believe that I do, but I hope that he always remembers who I am because we've done so many things together. Like I toured with him. I went to his house. I remember when me and uh, there's a song called Skunk, uh, which is off Memoirs of Blake Savage, which is me and Corrupt and Sox produced it. We went out to L.A., and then just by chance, the day we recorded that song was September 11, 2001. That's mm. why you'll hear, like, will we'll say it in, in one of the things, like, people want to bomb our trade centers. You motherfucking bitch ass niggas, calculate, calculate it, because it was on that day. And I remember, because Sox called me in my room, and he was like, yo, are you looking at the TV right now? It's like, it's like a movie right now. And then I turned on to whatever news station, and And then yeah and then we saw that so i called corrupt like are you guys cool to still do this and then now they're locking down all the planes like right like there was no flights like everything is locked down and said yeah 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 let's go and keep doing it let's go keep doing it so then we went over into the studio and did it and um we did the song uh and that's skunk uh that was on the memoirs of blake savage later on that night like because now we were supposed to leave that night, but there's no planes going for like four or five days or something like that, whatever. However long they locked it down, so Snoop, Alcoholics, uh, the East Siders, Twins, all, all like all the West Coast guys, they're about to go on tour. So I guess the bus, which well, it's not even a guess. That's what actually happened. They ended up going and uh, going to Snoop's house. I remember we pulled up by Snoop's house. The DJ, DJ Jam brought us up over to the spot. And then we get in touchdown and make sure we had no weapons or whatever. Like he had a full security system going on wow. over there. And then we walked in. And then I walked into his house. And I remember it was Madden, uh, like whatever it was, Madden 2002 or something like that. Everybody's there. Everybody. Exhibit, alcoholics, you name it. You name the West Coast rapper. Everybody's there, and I mean socks are just like, you know, like here two Canadian boys just walking into the place. So we go into one um, Snoop's room, uh, not his room, but like into a studio room. So then, in his room, he has all these things. Everybody that's been there, so you're seeing signatures like Quincy Jones, Method Man, Michael Jackson, this that all like it's all signed up there. And the room was like a Fisher Price picnic table. Like, you know, mm. like the yellow seat on one side, an orange on the other, and the whole table screen. Yep. So Snoop comes out and then he's like, what's up, man? How you doing? Yeah, you know, like, I'm just doing this. 18. Yeah, You know, we just do yeah, you know, the stuff that we yeah, it's good to hear you. Yeah, man, you know. So then he goes and gives me and Sox. So me and Sox said, like, because we trying to be cool, right? Like, you know, like, we like, okay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> we can hang, we can hang man then we did one of these like it, it, the, too bad there's not a wall here but like imagine if i'm leaning on the wall like me and socks i look at socks and big c was there Craig Mannix, uh, a couple other record company guys were there as well and he just noticed us like if my shoulder is leaning on the corner of the wall i look at socks it's like are you good yeah i'm good okay how do we do this i don't know and then you just see us like you know, like turn and go into the room, and then we go into the living room, and everybody's playing Madden, and everybody's jamming and jamming and jamming. Like everybody, like every single dub Dubsy's sitting there, Ice Cube, like Yo, oh, what's what's up? And I'm like, I don't believe where I'm at right now. Like I don't, I don't understand what I'm doing right now, and I'm super high. <laughs>
0: One thing you don't want to do is try and keep up with Snoop Dogg. But Choclair, you uh, you, you gave it your best shot.
2: I I, I gave him my best shot. And, I, <laughs> and then afterwards, once it all wore down and I was like, then we went. And then he had another studio inside his parking garage. Uh, just so it was just over on the side there. And then like, yeah. And then we went and did a tour together. His whole, whole, whole Merry Christmas tour that me and Snoop did. And we went all across the country. And he's like, yeah, Shaq Leezy, what's up? That's why everybody goes and still call me Shaq because Snoop was like, yo, what up, Shaq What up? So I went to his house and then he brought me on tour and we did all of Canada together. And then I just bump into a random, like, random, random, random bump, like Snoop's in Toronto. Really? Where? Boom. And then all of a sudden, it's like, like you know, like you got big bodyguards and everything like that. And then the bodyguards would be like, nah, he's good. That's shots." He's good, and then I go back. I'm like, "What up, Snoop?" And he's like, "Yeah, what's up, Please? How you doing?" I'm like, "I don't know. How you doing?" <laughs> and and we've been good, and that that's um, yeah, that's how I um, yeah, that's that's our connection right there.
0: Those are some great stories. I appreciate all your time today, and I do want to ask you, Jacques-Claire, as we wrap up, what are you working
2: on? What's next? What's going on? At this moment, right now, I live in the city of Saint Thomas. Which is just uh, a little bit south of uh, London, um, and we're trying to um, regenerate and uh, give opportunities to people in small towns that don't have the um, affordability or even access to go and um, do studio work. Go in the studio, you know. Unless you have your own, you know, laptop and a compressor system and mic and all this other stuff, that is called. You have to go to like London or Toronto or. Windsor or somewhere to go and figure it out. And we're trying to go and provide that there. And I'm just trying to go and show, like, you know what? We're more than rappers. We're actually pioneers and doing stuff to go and help other people be better. Because I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for somebody else making me be better. That guy at this, that 3181, Markham and Englitton, told me, you're good. Stay at it. So I stayed at it.
0: It's a great message to close on. Choclair, where can we best follow you and everything you're working on on social media? Uh,
2: Choclair Official. Everything is Choclair Official. So uh, Instagram, Shockler Official. Facebook, Shockler Official or Choclair. Twitter, same thing. Same thing if you want to reach out to me. Chocolate official at gmail.com, made to move mountains at gmail.com. And um we do all of that, and I'm always here, and I really, really like um, uh, like I'm not even just saying it out the side of my mouth. I really can't wait to go and meet everybody in their city because I love their city and I learned so much about it, and then you get to see me be awkward. <laughs> like, how do you fish? Like you fish like this. <laughs>
0: Always learning new skills. Well, listen, it was great to meet you. Great to hear your stories, and uh, I want to wish you continued success going forward.
2: Thank you very much, man, and thanks for having me on. And um, everybody out there, one love, one love. Check out Shakler' new record coming out. Please go and support me and support people. The best thing that you can do for someone that is like on the road that you feel like has nothing, just give them buy a sandwich from Tim Hortons and. Give them some food. Pay it forward, as they say. That's it, right there. Always pay it forward. I try to do that in my everyday. Pay it forward, every time.
0: Excellent. And to the listeners, we want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Toronto Legends podcast. And on behalf of Shaw, Claire, I am Andrew Applebaum saying mahalo.